Amen. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. I'm going to say that again. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. Can I get about three people over here and about four people over here to start to give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. For this is the day that the Lord has made. I shall rejoice and be glad in it. Good morning, Waterford Community Church. I greet you in the strong name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, who right now, even now, is sitting at the right hand of God, making intercession for each and every one of us. It is good to know Jesus, but it is better to be known by Jesus. Because I believe that I'm, I believe he said in his word that there's going to be some folks that's going to stand before him and he's going to say, I never knew you. So it is good to know Jesus, but it is better to be known by Jesus. On behalf of the New Spring Missionary Baptist Church, I thank each and every one of you. I thank Pastor Wood and this lovely church and the leadership of this church for allowing me the privilege to stand before you this morning and tell you what thus saith the Lord. I know we've all come to hear what God has to say this morning. I know we have all come to hear, get some encouragement, some uplifting from the word of God this morning. And I know that we want to hear, hear it quick, fast, and in a hurry and get on out the way. Because we got some stuff that we got to do today. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to ask you to do one thing. If you give me about three amens and a couple hallelujahs, I'll be out of your way in about 15 good minutes. Is that all right with everybody? First, let me introduce myself. I'm Pastor William Park of the New Springfield Missionary Baptist Church, and I am honored to be in this place of worship and into your house of praise. I thank Pastor Wood for inviting me over. Uh, we have had, we established a, a friendship early in the year, and I thank each and every one of you who have come to help us serve and celebrate the community in our food bank giveaway. Truly, have, had it not been for, for some of your members who have come and helped us, we probably would have had a difficult time issuing the food out to the people that we have been serving in the community. So give yourself a hand clap of praise. One of the things I'm certain of, however, is we all came to hear from God. Is anybody in the house that didn't come to hear from God today? I know you didn't come to listen to me. Amen. So we all came to hear from the Lord. And I'm reminded of a story I heard of this preacher who had just been installed at a church. And he was really preaching some good sermons. And every, after every sermon, this lady would come up and say, Pastor, you did a good sermon today. You sure did preach to them. Next Sunday, he came back, preached, preached his heart out. Lady came up again. Pastor, you preached a good sermon today. You sure did preach to them. And so finally, one day, one, one winter day, he, it was a big storm came, and only somebody that showed up in church that day was this lady. And the preacher said, I got her. I got her right now. I got her. I, I, I know I got her. And so he stood up and he preached, he preached his heart out that Sunday. And the lady came up to him and she said, Pastor, you preached a, a great sermon this morning. I wish they'd have been here because you sure did preach to them this morning. <laughs> and so I, I hope I don't leave you with that thought. You sure did preach to them this morning. 
And so not to belay the time, uh, Pastor Wood gave me a passage of scripture to deal with that comes from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. The gospel according to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. If you have your Bibles, please read along with me as I share with you from the Word of God. From the Word of God found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, we find these words. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, why is, which is here today and thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or well, what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning from the thought, first things first. Don't worry, be happy. Is that all right? Let us pray. And God, we come yet again this day giving you thanks. For from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, your name is worthy to be praised. We thank you for yet again, Lord God, waking us up this morning and clothing us in our right mind and bringing us to your house of prayer and praise this morning. And we came to hear from you. We thank you, Lord God, that as you have moved upon each and every one of our lives, that you have decided yet again to forgive us for all of our trespasses, transgressions, sins, and iniquities, if we would but ask. We thank you now for yet again letting us hear from on high. Speak, Lord, that your servant may Hear, meditate, apply, and obey. And so, God, we shall let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And all the saints of God said, Amen, Amen, and Amen. My brothers and sisters, what do you worry about? Well, truth be told, we are living in some very unusual and perilous times. 
we have wildfires burning uncontrollably in the west and southwest, destroying thousands of homes and property. Murder beasts whose sting are dangerous enough to kill in the northwest. Droughts and other issues threatening the product of the production of corn, wheat, and other food products in the Plains states. Unusual heat waves followed by floodings in the Middle Eastern states, all in the middle of being told that we are still in the middle of one of the worst droughts in the last 50 years. Is that all right with everybody? We have storms that are cutting a path of destruction through the eastern seaboard from Florida to Maine. It seems like as soon as one passes, Another one is on the way. It has been stated that this is the worst hurricane and tornado season to date. And if that's not enough, we have volcanoes in Haiti and earthquakes erupting in Asia. We have continuous violence and civil unrest in the Middle East and Africa, fires burning in U Europe. And in the middle of all this, we are in the middle of a global pandemic unlike that we have been seen in the last 100 years. Each time the experts seem to, to think that we have it under control, it mutates and, and does something different. We were told it would only affect the elderly and those that had pre-existing existing conditions, but it changed. We were told that our middle-aged and young adults would be, not be affected in a major way, but the virus changed. We were told that our children would not be affected, but it changed. We are currently undergoing the fourth mutation of a virus that we were told initially would be no more serious than the various strains of the flu that strikes every season. Am I on your row yet? And if that's not enough, our national, state, and local governmental leadership seems to have lost their ever-loving minds. It seems that instead of concentrating on how to provide a government that operates by the people and for the people, we have we have become more concerned with party politics that only looks out for whatever party or person is in control at the time. The 20-minute soundbite or the talking head news broadcast seems to be the, the order of the day. We're inundated with misinformation, disinformation, fake news, alternative facts, no facts, various community and social and civic movements that only seem to be concerned about their issues, the, the alphabet movement, the Quinon movement, the Proud Boy movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, staging, stage programming being passed off as reality. All the while, the religious community seems to be divided, lacked any authority or integrity, and the list goes on and on. What do you worry about? My brothers and sisters, I believe that God is speaking to us today and, and during this season like he has spoken never before. The word of God is very direct, very purposeful in its direction for us. For the word comes from Jesus himself. As we begin to examine this text or this passage of scripture, where well, Jesus is in the beginning of his ministry, the Bible says that he sat down and taught them. He gave them his policy and procedure manager. You know, if you, if you read the book of Acts, you'll find that, that the book of Matthew introduces us to the, the gospel stage of the life of Christ. Matthew introduces us to, the, to Jesus as the king that had been promised by God. As the Old Testament began with the man made in the image of God, this stage begins with the God made in the image of man. The man made in the image of God would be defeated by Satan in a beautiful garden called Eden. 
But God made an image of man would defeat Satan on a barren hill called Calvary. Prior to this stage, sheep had died for the shepherds. But now the shepherd will die for the sheep. The record describes him as saving a man under a tree, up a tree, and on a tree. And as we begin to think about keeping first things first, how do we, how much do we worry and how much of our worries are unfounded? Unhealthy worrying can cripple us to the point of making us ineffective and unable to cope with life's challenges. It also can lead to depression. We worry over sickness, we worry over viruses, we worry over finances and family and children, salt and sugar, unforeseen dangers, and, and many other things. Everybody, I guarantee you this morning, when you got up this morning, there was something on your heart and your mind that you was worrying about. Uh, the, the dictionary describes worry as an uncomfortable feeling in, in the mind that caused by a mixture of fear and uncertainty. What do we worry about? There was a man who constantly worried about somebody being under his bed. And he went to this counselor who was trying to help him out. But it was at a high fee. And he went to see this counselor for many and many months. A few weeks later, the counselor met the man on the street and asked him why he had stopped coming to counseling. He, the man replied, well, I met a friend who gave me some great advice for free. He said, well, what did he tell you? He said, well, he told me some good stuff, and it worked perfectly for me. He said, well, the counselor said, what did he tell you to do? The man said, well, I asked him what I could do, and he told me to, to cut the legs off my bed and cut them down to the ground level, and I wouldn't have to worry about what was underneath my bed. Sadly, according to the experts, worry can also take a heavy toll on our physical and mental health. So what are we worrying about today? In Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, Jesus spoke about the futility of worrying and keeping first things first. I recall a few years back, I watched this picture called City Slickers. And there was a gentleman in there who told the, those who had come that you need to keep the main thing, the main thing. And in this passage, Jesus offered us some insight to help us with that battle over worry. The believer is not to worry about necessities such as food or drink or about body and clothing. The words take no thought mean to do that we do not worry. Don't be anxious. Don't be overly concerned and, and caring. Jesus is not suggesting that a man not prepare for, for life. He, he's not telling us that he needs to be lazy, shiftless, or thoughtless with a devil-may-care attitude. He tells us that a person has to look after his responsibilities. He even tells us that he has to work in order to eat. In fact, Jesus says he even has to work extra in order to have enough to give to somebody else. He tells us that we must delight in looking after his affairs and profession and in keeping and helping to give to others. Jesus is talking about not being preoccupied with the material possessions of life. Many fall into the trap of of material possessions. Many fall into the trap of centering their mind and thoughts, energy and efforts on the necessities and luxuries of life. A believer is not to be wrapped up and entangled in the affairs of this world. He is not to be groping for more and more and more, hoarding more and more. He is not to seek ye first the, the things of the world, but to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then God will see to it that he receives all these things. 
Jesus is talking about being wrapped up in, in securing, securing things that will become anxious or disturbed and sleepless nights, but focus upon the things that the world keeps a person, that, that the world keeps a person from walking in the fullness and enjoyment of life. Jesus is talking about being so consumed with getting that we think little about God. Fear of not having enough and spending all of our time trying to get more and more and more causes disbelief. A person who works the game more and more and more never knows God. He never knows God's love and God's care. He never learns that God looks after those who trust in him. Jesus is talking about being so entangled with the affairs of the earth that we forget about eternity. Is that all right with everybody? You can say amen if you want to. We just forget to take care of our lives and bodies beyond this life. So what can I share with you this morning that will strengthen you up, encourage you, and uplift you? Well, the first thing I can tell you is that, that, that we understand that worry won't change anything. Not only, not only does worry not change anything, it adds unnecessary stress to our day. Anybody worrying right now? Got up this morning worried, probably going to go back to home worrying, drove into your car worrying, sitting right there worrying about right now what, what, what's going on around you, what's going on in the world, what's going on in your community. Worried. There, there, there was a song back in the 80s, and I'm going to date myself, a song in the 80s by Bobby McFerrin, and he fam famously sang, in every life we have some trouble, but when you worry, you make it double. Don't worry, be happy. The materialism of the world can enslave a person to such a degree that it dominates his life in order to get and possess more. Spouses argue, men steal and commit murder, employees crave, employers herd, hoard, children pout, and nations go to war. Life, living and enjoying what God has given is ignored and neglected in order to get and possess more and more and more. So sociological instruction tells us that we have more millionaires and billionaires in the world than we ever have had before. And yet they strive and try to consume more and more and more. When we hear about all the, the billionaires and millionaires and they get some announced each and every day on the news, somebody else can obtain billionairehood. I wish they'd give me some of that change. The basic problem of man is setting priorities and determining what is to be first in their life. The first priority of every man should be to take care of his life, not only the life that he's living right now, but the life to come, the life that exists eternally. Jesus used two, two easy-to-understand examples of how worrying is futile. Y'all still there? Wave your hand if you're still listening. Amen. He used two easy-to-understand examples of how worrying is futile. He, 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 he mentioned that we cannot either add one cubit to our height or one hour to our life by worrying. I wish worrying would get me taller. I think you say worry. He states, don't worry about your stature, for worrying is pointless. The word stature means height 
or quality of status gained by growth, and, and sometimes it means age. The word cubit literally means measure of space, distance, or, or, or time and age. Therefore, the verse can read either who can add one cubit to his stature or one minute to his lifespan. How many of you know you ain't going to get no more time by worrying about what you're doing right now? It ain't going to help you. You ain't going to live longer just because you chose to worry. You ain't going to get no taller. You ain't going to get no wider. You ain't going to get no bigger just because you chose to worry. We need to understand that worrying don't amount to anything. The more, you know, it often has been said, if you worry, don't pray. But if you pray, don't worry. The point is, the point is that worrying is senseless. And so we understand that just, just as, as senseless as trying to add to one's height or length in one's minute of, of life, we understand that worrying does not have, it doesn't accomplish anything. So Jesus says, don't worry. Think, don't think about your stature or think about it and learn to trust God. Don't concentrate your mind and heart and effort on the world. That's senseless. There's very few of us in here who can change what's going on in the world right now. But we can change how we bit our attitude toward the world right now. As it used to be said, if, if, if the world gives you a lemon, make lemonade. And if it keeps giving you lemon, plant the seeds and grow your own tree. I don't know about you, but sometimes we worry and don't amount to anything. Because in, in the, when we think about what God is doing, there is a glorious hope for each and every one of us. Jesus is assuring us that, there is a, that, that the promises of God stand sure, that, the work, that God works all things out for the good to those that truly love him. So my question becomes this morning, is there anybody in the house that loves God? Is there anybody in the house that loves God? Because if you love God, you'll understand that, that, that in, the, in the midst of all that's going on, that we can add, that worrying won't change anything. And not only that, we'll learn that if we should live one day at a time. Jesus mentioned that there's not enough, that there's enough trouble for each day, and we should therefore focus on living each day as it comes, without worrying about tomorrow. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't plan for the future, but it, it certainly means that we don't have to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. There's a quote that I read that says, planning for tomorrow is time well spent. Worrying about tomorrow is time wasted. My brothers and sisters, sadly, most, most people live to regret over the past or worry about the future. Some of us are having difficulty right now because of something we did when we was in high school or grade school on that first job we had, worrying about how that affected them and, and instead of just saying, that, you know, it happened, I've moved on, and now we can do something different. The Bible tells us that, 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 that we have to believe that God will take care of our needs. Jesus referred to food, drink, and clothing. All of those are symbolic for our needs. Jesus said, your heavenly Father knows that you need those things. He also used the following two, two simple but powerful illustrations to show that the, about the Father's caring heart. He, he used the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. He says the birds don't sow or reap or store away, and yet their heavenly Father feeds them 
each and every day. Anybody ever watched a worm? I don't know how they do it. I sometimes sit on my back porch and watch the worms, and they go around the backyard, and they'll sit, and they'll listen, and then they'll go peck in a spot, and they'll find a worm. And then they'll go and sit and listen, and they'll go peck in a spot, and they'll find another worm. God provides for the birds of the field. He also does, it, the Bible tells us that he, he also looks at the flowers and the lilies of the valley. He tells us that they are dressed with splendor, and yet we, and he said, God knows that you need clothes. He didn't say you need to get them from Lord and Taylor. He didn't tell you you need to go to Target. He didn't tell you that you need to go over to Walmart and shop. God says he knows what you need, and he is able to clothe you. He knows that you need those things, so don't worry and think about food or drink or clothes. There, there are two reasons why such things are, are not to occupy our thoughts and our conversation. Y'all still listening? Wave your hand and still sleep. I ain't putting nobody to sleep yet, right? The believer is different from the unbeliever. The lost are wrapped up in the world and in the things of the world. They don't know anything else. All they know is seeking and securing. All they, they, they know is seeking and securing all they can of what the world has to offer. They seek the good life that comes from possessions. Life, the life to them is money, houses, furnishings, food, cars, television, toys, clothing, recreation, property. All the material things of the world that give comfort, pride, power, fame, and recognition according to how they measure things. There's a reason that, that, that the lost live that way. They are without Christ. They are unwilling to accept Christ as their, as their Lord and Savior, the anointed one of God, the one who God sent into the world to save the world. They are aliens from God's people. They are not aware that God has a, a family of genuine believers on this earth. A body of people who truly trust in him and care about you. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I care about you. I need you. You need me. Now, y'all didn't do that. Let me say again. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I care about you. Y'all sitting next to your friends, right? Your brothers and sisters in Christ. It shouldn't be a problem for you to turn to your neighbor and say, I care about you. I need you. I'm watching. I'm, and God is too. Just turn to somebody and say, I'm watching. God, I need you. You need me. We're all a part of this great body. Do it again. One more time. Turn to the person on the other side now. Tell them, I need you. You need me. Because we are the believers in Christ. We're supposed to be the family of God. We're supposed to be energized and active. We come here to encourage one another, to uplift one another, to tell somebody some good things that are going on in your life because life is a struggle. Life is a struggle. And somebody has gone through the same struggle you're going through right now, sitting right next to you, and all you got to do is tell them what you're going through. And God brought them here to say, well, I went through that same thing, and here's what God did for me. But the, but the unbelievers don't have that. They are strangers to the promises of God. How many of you know that God has given us some great and precious promises? He has promised us. One, the greatest thing he promised us is that no matter what your circumstances is, no matter what you're going through, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Anybody had a friend that left you in the last year? Anybody had somebody that you thought was your, your ride or die that would be, be with you to the end, that was your A1 from day one, but then something happened. 
And all of a sudden, they ain't as close as they used to be. Maybe you got a better job and they didn't. Maybe you start driving a different car and they don't have that. The Bible says that, that we are supposed to embrace one another because we understand that what God did for me, he can do it for you. And we get that assurance because we know who God is. But the unbeliever don't have that assurance. They depend on society to do things for them. They depend on man to help them out. But we know a living God. I serve a living Savior. He's in the world today. I, I know that he is with me. Whatever men may say, I, I see, see his hands of mercy. I feel his voice of cheer. And, and when I need him most, he's always near. He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we am I getting to am I waking y'all up I, I didn't mean to wake y'all up y'all go go back to sleep go back I'll be through in a minute I, I promise you I, I didn't mean to wake you up the Bible says that the believer knows God he knows Christ and he knows God's people he knows the promises of God and the glorious hope of eternal life he knows God and his, and his presence in the world. He's not a stranger and a foreigner to God, but, but a fellow citizen with the saints of God's household. Therefore, the believer is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He is to leave the cares of this world up to God as he diligently goes about the affairs upon the earth. He makes his contribution to life as God has called him to do. And while doing what God called him to do, he also makes a contribution to each and every one of you. How many of you have been blessed by somebody in this church? How many of you have been encouraged by somebody in this church? How many of you have been so lost that they helped you to find your way again? They put you back on a, a path that was better for you than the path that you was walking on. So what is the answer for, for the worldly or the unsaved or the lost? Jesus gives the answer. He says, your heavenly father, make sure that God is your heavenly father and get to know him as your heavenly father. What Christ is saying to the believers, do not be as the lost and unsaved of the world, a stranger to God and to the glorious hope of eternal life, but live actively, live in the presence of God now and forever. He knows what you need. Trust him that he'll give you what you need. The text says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And so what he's really saying is seek God first. Jesus encourages each and every one of us to seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness with the assurance that when we do so, all that we need will be given to us. This attitude helps to place our hearts on, on a loving God more than on the material things of this world. Our needs are getting met. It also assures us that all the things that we worry about will be taken care of by God himself. By following the advice that Jesus gives, we can win the battle over worry, and our faith in him will sustain us in every walk of life. Jesus is asking us to seek to become be citizens of God's kingdom. And, 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 he is seek, and, he, and we are to seek others and, and encouraging them to become citizens of God's kingdom. 
This, that is to be the first pursuit of this life. We are not saved just to be saved. We are saved to go get some, help get somebody else saved. We are saved to go tell a dying world about a living Savior. We are saved to be able to tell somebody there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that blood lose all their guilt and stains. We are saved and, 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 and we understand that the believer whose work fails in the eyes of the world can know four sure things about God. He knows that his failure is temporary. God will help it and strengthen and even teach him through those trying times. I know some of us have, even myself, sometimes we get frustrated, we get, we get discouraged, but, but God comes in the, made in the midnight hour and he begins to strengthen us and to uphold us and to encourage us and to uplift us. God, we understand then that my failure was just for a short period of time. My failure wasn't a failure. It just taught me how to move on and do it a different way. He taught me and he walks with me and he says, that didn't work that way with this one, but if you try it this way, I guarantee you it'll work. Our failures are temporary. We learn that God will work all things out together for our good, for he loves us and he cares about us. God will see to it that the necessities of life are given to each and every one of us. God has much better things in store for us. We know we don't have to worry about what we got on this world because we ain't living for this world. We are living for the next world. We're living on this world to have a place on, in the next world. We're living in this world so that when we get to the man mansion in heaven, we'll be able to say, I know what I did. I know that my Redeemer liveth, and I know he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. God has made man a spiritual being. Therefore, the only way he can ever truly be satisfied is to seek God and his righteousness first. This world and this things of this world will never satisfy. If you look at all the billionaires in the world, you'll find that to be true. They have enough money that can give every one of us a million dollars and not even mess with their interests. Yet they continue to seek. We know because we have learned through Jesus the Christ that the more we give, the more he gives to us. We understand that material things can't touch the inside of a man that truly knows God. We learn that, the, the, that, that really deep down, and each and every one of us know this in our, the very marrow of our soul, that, that, that within all that material things will pass away. Even we ourselves is going to pass away. Only what you do for Christ is going to last. And so, I say it to you, as the word says, Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks, receives. And he that seeks, finds. And he that knocks, the door is open. But along the way, we know that there are at least five attitudes that each and every one of us have concerning the future. Some of us have that no-care worldly attitude. That's the person who eats, drinks, and is merry for today. Those who are out there living their best life, letting tomorrow take care of itself. The future is little of no concern. It will take care of itself. Earthly pleasure, power, and fame are the major concerns for this life. He needs to get all that he can now while he can. 
He needs to live his best life. That's that no-care, worldly attitude. And then there's that fretful, anxious attitude, that person that worries all the time, wondering if he's secure and if he will have enough to take care of himself and his family. There's that fearful, panicky attitude. In the face of trial and failure, a person can barely function. Tragedy, tragedy has hit. His job is lost. Cutbacks have been made. Adjustments are needed. The strength and confidence to act and to continue is lacking. A fearful and panicky attitude. And in this season, I know some of us have had a fearful and panicky attitude. COVID has had its mark on all of us on some level at some point in time. And yet we who know that we have been saved, sanctified, fire baptized, and Holy Ghost filled should live, have a self-assured attitude. A person, has, a person who has complete confidence in himself and in his ability. He knows he can, take, he can make out and take care of himself in this world. And he doesn't worry about what goes on. So I get laid off at this factory. I'll go to work over this factory because I just do believe God will supply all of my needs. If I end up sick on Wednesday, I just go to the doctor because I know that God has told me he is a healer. If no matter what goes on in my life, I am assured that God will take care of me. Anybody got that assurance? No matter what's going on around me or in me or through me, God will take care of me. And when we have that attitude, that self-assured attitude, it leads to a calm, God-centered and trusting attitude. It just says, I don't worry about what's going on. I just pray and praise God. I just keep praying and praising. I keep praying and praising. I keep praying. Y'all can say it with me. Praying and praising. Praying and praising. Praying and praising. If I can keep praying and praising, God will work it out somehow. Because the Bible says in his word, he says, be be careful for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, I think I lost my mic. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So what would be my final thought that I leave with you today? Don't let the worries of tomorrow hinder your expect is that what's up there don't let the worries okay. don't let the worries of tomorrow hinder your expectancy in God today for we have learned as we come and study God's word as we share with one another that God is still king he is still sovereign as the word of God says have thou not known have thou not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. For he giveth power to the faint, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faith. We have learned throughout the ages that the word of God is true. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. We have heard and we are constantly inf infused with the word of God where it says the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom 
shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat of my flesh, they stumbled and fell. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. The Bible tells us that on a hill called Calvary, Jesus worked it out for each and every one of us. He hung from the third to the ninth hour. He hung until heaven got the news and the devil got worried. He hung until all sin was covered. He hung just long enough to save an old wretch like me. And the Bible tells me that they buried him in Joseph's borrowed tomb. But early on Sunday morning, he got up with all power. The question is, he got up, but have you gotten up in him? Have he made a difference in your life? Has he strengthened you or encouraged you and uplift you? Does he walk with you each and every day? Because if he walks with you and talks with you, I can truly say if you keep first things first, you will never have to worry. And you can continually be happy. For we know the world does not give us joy. This joy that we have comes from Jesus. This joy that we have comes from knowing that our soul and our spirit and our eternal life is secure. I'm going to ask Pastor to come. I don't know what he does at this point, so I'm going to let him do it. <laughs> Amen. Let's give him a hand praise as he comes.